Here's the scripture that we're going to dive into right off the bat. If you've got your Bibles, uh, or you can look at the screens, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16 through 18. This will kind of be the basis of, of for the next five weeks, not for granted. And um, uh, this is such a great passage. So this will be our, 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 this will be our diving board. This will be our platform. Uh, Paul speaking says this. He says, sometimes be joyful. What does it say? Always be joyful. Sometimes pray. Never stop what? Be thankful in some circumstances. Be thankful in what? Ready for this? Here's the next one. This is key. This is key. Are you ready? Some of you are like, you're looking, what is God's will for my life? Right? And we always look for that place, like where am I supposed to go? What kind of job? Who am I supposed to marry? Where am I supposed to go to college? For those of you that are thinking about that, um, you know, what, what, what's, what's God's will for my life? I can tell you right now, you ready? Here's God's will for your life. Do these things. That's God's will. God's will is always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for those of you who belong to who? Christ Jesus. If you are a follower of Christ, this is his will for you, that we are to always be joyful, that we are to never stop praying, that we are to be thankful in every circumstance. Now, the question is, why am I not like that? Why do we struggle with that so much? And that's where we're going to dig into today, because I believe it has to do with our hearts. Now, how many of you understand that it is so easy for us to take life for granted. We've, we've all done it. And then when something um, tragic happens in our life, it, it normally wakes us up to the reality that may, maybe I've taken things for granted. When that thing is no longer there, all of a sudden it wakes us up to say, maybe I've taken this thing for granted. And we've all felt that way in our lives from one time or another, especially when people um, take you for granted. Now, you know, for myself, we've got, you know, teenagers and and i see it with kathleen because she works hard she tries to do the constantly we just we're like a laundry mat right now in our house it's like constantly doing laundry it never ends right it's like the mail it keeps coming and coming and coming and and you know and sometimes it's just like i i know for kathleen she just makes a meal and the kids go i didn't like it it's 12 o'clock and like, oh mom i need this washed for tomorrow right it, and and i know and and sometimes you just feel like man why am i here calgon take me away right um we can feel this way when you work hard at something and then and then someone doesn't say thank you or they or they take you for for granted this is what we're going to be looking at over the next five weeks is not taking things for granted to, to be thankful in every circumstance. Um, you know, it's funny, it, it, you know, when you're a kid, you, you just, it's easy to take your, your parents for granted. And then the older you get, the smarter your parents become, you know, they're like, wow, they, they, my parents really knew a lot more than I thought they knew when I was a teenager. Right. Uh, when you start getting off into the world on your own and you realize, wow, there's a lot of bills. I didn't realize there's car insurance. I mean, I got to change the oil. Doesn't do itself, right? And all these little things add up, right? And all of a sudden, wow, my parents really knew a lot. And they had to take care of a lot of, a lot of things. Um, you know, it struck me when I read this verse and God just laid this on my heart about 
not taking him for granted during that worship service back in June, it just struck me, this one statement just struck my heart, and it's this. Thankfulness is worship. Thankfulness is worship. And, and, I, and I began to think about that. It's, it's, not just, it's not just singing a song about thankfulness or, or saying a bunch of words, but am I truly thankful? Because if, if, I, if I'm not thankful, there's a depletion of worship in my heart for God. Catch this, because, because I can be reading God's word and I can come to church and lift my hands and worship God. But if my heart is cynical and, and I have a heart of cynicism, there's a depletion of worship of who God is in my heart. And I'm not following these words because I'm not being thankful in all circumstances. And I believe the two go together. Thankfulness is worship. It's not just an hour and 10 minutes on Sunday morning. But is, is, is my life an act of worship by the way I thank God each and every day for the different circumstances that happen, whether good or bad in my life? Because if, if worship is grounded into my heart where I recognize that God is the source of everything, where I'm giving praise to him for everything, then that's going to be indwelled in my life by the way I live my life each and every day. And so it just struck me, thankfulness is worship. So the question we need to ask ourselves is this. Is a heart of thankfulness truly the center of my life? Or is the heart of ingratitude truly the center of my life? Now, now we're going to drill into this a little deeper because right off the bat, I, I want to be the first part, right? I want to be the thankful person. I don't, I don't, none of us, I don't think in this place want to say, well, I've got a heart of ingratitude. Um, but the question we need to ask ourselves is, is which one is winning out most of the time? And if I'm truthful, like, let's just be all truthful. Can we just be truthful? Let's take off our gloves and let's be truthful. I would have to say that I tend to complain probably more than I worship. I just, okay, one other person with me. Good. Because we, we, we realize that, Okay. Okay, and, and we hate to admit that. We, we hate to admit that because we all want to be worshipers, right? We, we don't want to admit that, that a heart of ingratitude can, can take over. But, but let, me, let me drill a little bit deeper and see if, if the pasta sticks to the wall here, okay? Let's see if it works here, okay? How many times have I gone through the motions and sang a song without really thinking about what I'm saying? How many times have I prayed and, and, and really allowed it to touch my life? How many times have, have I prayed and it was more about my prayer list, not really thinking about God and who he is? Getting a little closer now, right? Okay, we're, we're, we're all there. How many times have I complained about my health and never really thanked God for my good health? How many times have I complained about what I don't have and never really gave God thanks for what I do have? Thank you, Lord, that my car started this morning. Praise God. Thank you, God, that I had food in the cupboard today. Thank you for that. How many times have we prayed over our meal and it was just the thing we do? Thank you, Lord, for this food. Amen. So now what I've, I've tried to mix up our our little prayers before our meal. Thank you, God, for this barbecue. 
Thank you for the people that cooked it because this is the best barbecue I've ever tasted in my life. Thank you for the collard greens. Thank you for the cheesy grits that we are about to eat in Jesus' wonderful name. The kids are all looking at me like, what in the world was that? I go, you remember that prayer, didn't you? Yeah, we did. We remember that one, right? Let me just say something. Barbecue is good. Can you tell we just ate there the other day? Amen. Hallelujah. And we had leftovers. Praise God. So here's the thing. If, if, if ingratitude is truly the center of my heart or, or complaining tends to be the thing more than a, a worshipful heart, we've got to get at the root of it. And so what happens, I think, when we lose the sight of being thankful in every circumstance, what happens is, is ingratitude takes over and the result is this. The result is a critical spirit. That's what it is. So the result is that. So th- this is where it goes. This is what it morphs into. So if, if I'm not thanking God in every circumstance, what happens is the default of my heart is going to go to a critical spirit. Now, l- let, me, let me drill even deeper here because we've got to get here. We may, we may feel like I have this cause or I'm upset about the way things are going. Even with something good, if we are not careful, can turn into something bad and can turn into a critical spirit. Even something that we're very passionate about. Because I think what happens is when we're passionate about something that may be good and right, listen to me. Even if it's something good and right, and this is something that you're very passionate about. If we're not careful, that thing can even turn into a critical spirit. Well, I don't like the way things are going in church. I don't like the color of this. I don't like this. I don't like that. Now, it may, you may be right in the way you feel. Maybe your opinion. Maybe your personal preference. But guess what happens? If you're not careful, what's coming out of your mouth is not something that's edifying or helpful or to help that situation. What ends up coming out of our mouth is something that's actually critical coming from an unthankful heart and a critical spirit. So let's be careful here. Let's guard our hearts against something that maybe that we're passionate about, even good about, because we can justify what we say because we're passionate about this and it may be something that we feel is right. If we're not careful, if we're not careful, it can actually be a critical spirit. And I don't want to be that person. I don't think any of us want to be that person. I don't want to be the guy, right, that's in his front yard yelling at all the kids to get off his front yard, right? I don't, I don't want to be that guy. Wesley and I were fishing in the summer, and we were fishing at this pond. And there's a place where you can fish where it's all open, and there's no houses, and there's a spot where the house starts. And, and Wesley was, like, right on the edge of where one house started and where he was fishing. And then he moved over to the part where there was no where it was okay to fish and there's no houses. And I'm down on the other, the other side. And this woman comes out in her backyard and she goes, excuse me. <laughs> and I, I didn't hear because I'm on the other side. And Wesley's already over there. And he's like, who is she talking? Excuse me. Do you know that this is private property? We're not even on her yard at this point. We weren't even in her yard before. And, and, and Wesley's like, I, no, yeah. I, he didn't even know what to say, you know. And he's like, because I'm over here. She goes, this, my yard starts right here, okay? 
there. You're supposed to be here. My yard starts here. I'm listening to this whole thing going, you got to be kidding me. Now, is she right? Yeah. Wesley was very nice. He goes, okay, ma'am, no problem. Thank you. And I looked at her and I said, God bless you, ma'am. Praise God. To God be the glory. I hope you trip walking back dressed. No, I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. I'm teasing. That was in my, I'm sorry. Okay. It's I, Jesus help me. I repent. Okay. You know, you're not doing anything wrong. You're just fishing. It's not like he was, you know what I mean? That's and I, I just said, I didn't say anything. I just said, you know, Wesley handled correctly. And after about we walked away and I said, what happened? He goes, oh, they just said, and he was fine with it. I was actually more irritated by it. He was, he was cool. He was, just went on his day. I was like, man, this is probably irritated me. You know, got to let it go. And, and see, that's the thing. I, I, we don't want to be that person. We, we don't want to go there because we know that we've been objects of that and people have been so nitpicky with us. And it's like, man, we don't, we don't want to have that critical spirit. I don't want to always be this person that always has something negative to say, to dump water on something good that has happened in people's life. Now, I want to be Susie Sunshine. You know, don't you want to? I, I want to be the person that just has that positive thing to say to everybody. But it can, that critical spirit, if we're not careful, can, it can grow over time, little bit by little bit. And, and, and the evidence, here's the evidence. So let, let's, let's go a little deeper. Here's the evidence of, 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 that, of that critical spirit. It's, it's complaining. That, that's where we really know. Is there a lot of complaining coming forth from my mouth? Is, you know, this is where that critical spirit can come in. L- let me give you an example of this. Th- there's an interesting example in Numbers, the book of Numbers, chapter 11. And what happens is the Israelites have been taken out of Egypt over 400 years of slavery. God brings them out of Egyptian bondage. He takes them into the wilderness. He's providing for them just this miracle of taking them through the Red Sea. He's going to bring them into the promised land that he, he promised to to their forefathers, to Abraham. And so here they are, Moses is leading them. And, and, and if, if you know the story, what happens when they get into the wilderness? They begin to do what? They begin to complain, right? Here they get manna from heaven and God's providing for their needs and, and it's not enough. And, and I, want you to, I want to read this story too because we can pick it up in Numbers uh, chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. And so it says this, starting verse 1. It says, soon the people began to do what? complain about their hardship. And here's the key. The Lord heard everything they said. And the Lord's anger blazed against them and sent a fire to rage among them. And he destroyed some of the people in the outskirts of the camp. And then the people screamed to Moses for help. And when Moses prayed to the Lord, the fire stopped. And after that, the era was known of Tibera, which means the place of burning because fire from the Lord had burned among them there. Then there was the foreign rabble who were traveling with the Israelites began to crave the good things of Egypt. And the people of Israel also began to do what? Complain. Oh, for some meat, they exclaimed. I want you to see two things in this passage. Two things in this passage. Uh, they began to complain. And their voices went up to the Lord, and the Lord's anger burned against them. And then there's this group called the rabble. Who were the rabble? 
Because the rabbles that were amongst the Hebrews added to their discontentment. They said, we don't like it here. We had meat in Egypt, right? Now, now what we know about the rabbles is this. They were basically a bunch of hodgepodge of people, whether friendships or Hebrews that married Egyptians, or these were people that were just along for the ride and, and were not particularly directly linked to the Hebrews uh, maybe their motives were to be on the right team because they witnessed God's judgment and they wanted to be with the Hebrews. They, we're going with that group. We like that, that team. That, that, that team's got this God on their side and we saw the judgments and we ain't staying back in Egypt, right? We're going we're gonna to go with the Hebrews. So they go along with them, but what begins to happen? You've got them complaining and then you've got this group who are not even Hebrews who are complaining in the midst of the Hebrews saying, Remember when we had that? I don't even think they had that when they, they were slaves. I don't think they were eating meat, right? So they're complaining. Here God does these miracles and now they're saying, yeah, 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 yeah. Remember that? Wait a minute, we didn't have that. Why are we complaining? We didn't even have, right? It's just this negative spirit took over the camp. Now, let me tell you what happened here. Here's what happened. They quickly lost focus from what they were saved from. How quickly we forget. How quick that what God is showing us here, the proclivity of our heart is to quickly forget how good God is and how he takes care of us and how he provides for us. They lost focus of the provision of the Lord. That's why God's heart burned against them. They became critical in their spirit. They lost their focus of worshiping God and that he was the source of all they had. They began to look at the very slavery that they came from as being better. You don't think that would make God burn with anger? It sure did. They forgot. They lost sight. This critical spirit took over and these rabbles that were amongst them began to add to their discontentment. You know, this happens to all of us. You, you, you know, you really never had an issue with something until someone said something negative and then you began to have a negative attitude towards it. It's the rabbles. I had a message when I was a youth pastor called don't dabble with the rabble. <laughs> See, it's, it's easy to lose focus and, and to look at the negative and quickly get discouraged and then soon our spirits will sour. So let's define this and look at it a little closer. What is a critical spirit? And do I have one? Am I critical in my spirit? Um, um, uh, uh, Dr. Stephen Reiser gives some interesting insight about a critical spirit. He says this, it's an obsessive attitude of criticism and fault finding, which seeks to tear down others rather than build them up. Destructive criticism is different from constructive feedback. The only criticism that is ever constructive is that which speaks the truth in love to build up or edify another person for his good or her good for the, for the glory of God. So let's look at these signs of a critical spirit and, 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 and are some of these hitting home with us. So let's look at a couple of signs here. Here's some signs of a critical spirit. First of all, a critical spirit becomes overly judgmental. And what do I mean by overly judgmental? Well, it will tend to fill in the gaps with negative thoughts without hearing the whole story. So what do I mean by that? Well, we judge others by their actions and we judge ourselves by our motives. So let me give you, let me give you an example here. If someone comes in late to work, 
Someone with a, and I'm not saying someone that's a chronic comes in late all the time because they're partying the night before. I'm not talking about that. Let's just say somebody just out of the blue comes in late. Someone with a critical spirit will automatically go to the worst case scenario or a judgmental spirit without knowing the whole story. So, so someone comes in late to work, someone with a critical spirit will fill in the gaps by assuming they slept in or that they're lazy, not knowing really that their child was sick and they had to wait for the grandparents to come and watch their child. See, we judge ourselves by our motives. So when we, when we share with somebody that's not sure why we felt the way we did or why we did what we did, when we defend ourselves, we will say things like, that's not what I meant. I want you to see my heart for the reason why I, I'm doing this. See, if we're not careful, we can tend to sit back in our judgmental attitude and we want to stay there. We really... Many times, if I have a critical spirit, I really don't want to know the whole story. I kind of want to sit back in my judgmental attitude. That's a critical spirit of judgmentalness. If, if, if I really want to know the whole story, then I'm going to go to that person and I'm going to ask them the motives for why they did what they did. That's, that's the biblical way of doing it. But if I'm working in a critical spirit, I'd rather tell this person, this person, that person without going to the person and asking why they did what they did. And see, here's, here's, listen. What we will tend to do without seeking that person out and asking them for their motivations for why they did what they did. Many times we'll, we'll use the excuse, well, it's not that big of a deal. Let me say this to you. If, if you're not careful, you can talk to everybody and their brother and their sister and their cousins and their aunts and their third cousin removed from the fourth cousin from the fifth generation, right? We can tell all these people, well, it's not a big deal. Well, it seems to be a big deal because you're telling everybody about it. So let's be careful here. Let's be careful about a negative without going to that person and saying, hey, what, what, what were your motives here? What's going on? Because I, I, I don't think you would be that way or why you would make that decision. So can we, can we talk this thing through? And that's constructive feedback, truth in love. Judgmental attitude would just sit back and just want to assume what I want to assume without understanding the full story. See, we don't have an x-ray machine to diagnose someone's motives. Only God can do that. So a critical spirit will be quick to judge someone and assume the worst, filling in the gaps with negative things. So let's be careful. Let's be careful here. See, at the end of the day, I have to answer to God. People are going to misunderstand you. Uh, They may even judge you, say things about your motives that aren't true. But I have to please God. Let's be careful with the judgment and just automatically assuming all the worst and automatically judging people's actions. Because if we're truthful with ourselves, we're much easier on ourselves than we are other people. We give ourselves much more grace than we give other people. So let's be careful. Let's... Let's find out what their motives were before we judge, before we automatically say, hey, blah, 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 something's wrong. And that, that doesn't mean we don't, we don't confront sin and help people to, to, to repent or whatever that is from, from, from things that, 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 that are definitely in contrast to what the word of God says. And we care about people, we love them, and we don't want them going down a road that's going to be destructive. That's totally different. So let's be careful with my attitude that I'm not automatically filling in the gaps with all these negative things. That's not, that's not constructive or building other people up. So watch, do I tend to do that first? Okay, that, that judgmental spirit, that can be a sign of a critical spirit. Let's look at the second one. A, critis, a critical spirit extends little or no grace to others. 
Stephen Reiser gives a little more to a little more insight to this. He says, judgmental people rarely get in touch with God's perspective of their own ugly failures or with God's incredible gift of forgiveness. We are all Pharisees at heart. Have we honestly faced our sin and experienced God's grace? That's what I love about Ephesians 2, 8, 9, because Paul says to every single one of us, it's not by your works you've been saved. You can't be braggadocious about yourself or that you're any better than anybody else. He says, it's only by God's grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can do what? Boast. Thank God for his grace that saved us. None of us in this room merited or deserved his grace. It's a gift that he gives to us. Thank God for that. So remind yourself, if, 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 if I'm extending no grace to others, I might have a critical spirit. Critical spirit may have taken over my heart. Number three, a critical spirit has the root of bitterness, has the root of bitterness in our lives. See, when we fail to forgive others, we become angry, bitter, and resentful, not better. Hebrews 12, 15 says this, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. Don't fall short of the grace of God. And that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. It's not just you you're defiling, but those around you. Number four, a critical spirit tends to be very defensive. Justification of a critical spirit will tend to use words like, I'm just being discerning. Or I'm just being honest. Or get real, I'm telling it the way it is. See, do you obsess on negative feelings, thinking about how bad or wrong something is or someone was? Do you say things like, I can't believe the way they treat me or the way they are or blah, 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 or they're a bad listener. Man, this person is so full of themselves. We tend to hide behind these defensive words. I'm just being discerning. I'm just being honest. But there's no love and grace within our hearts. Number five, a critical spirit will divide and not bridge relationships. A critical spirit will tend to divide and not bridge relationships. Let let me say this. At the heart of the gospel message is reconciliation. That Jesus came not to condemn the world, but to do what? To save the world. Do Do you not think that Jesus could have came down and just pointed out everything that was wrong with us? And then just left and say, have a nice day. Have fun going to hell. You know, I just want to come down and just tell you all the things are wrong with you. That y'all messed up. I'm God and I'm perfect. I'll see you later. I'm going back to heaven. Right? He didn't do that. What did he do? He came to give his life for our sin. He came to take on our sin. To give us the gift of eternal life. To actually build and bridge our relationship to God the Father that was broken because of our sin. At the, listen, this is when gospel living becomes difficult. This is when it becomes difficult to love the unlovable. Am I doing things to build relationships or am I actually dividing it through my cynical and critical spirit? See, it's a dangerous outcome because the critical person comes to expect, even hope that everything will have something wrong with it. See, we have to protect ourselves from this. We have to lay our hearts bear before the Lord and say, God, am I dividing or am I building? 
And that's what Jesus came. He came to build and to bring together that which was broken because of sin. It's about reconciliation. So how do we protect ourselves from this critical spirit? Because at one time, or, uh, listen, we may not, some of us may not be full blown into this, but there may be times in our lives where, yeah, I'm definitely more cynical than this and that. How do we guard our hearts? Because this is the thing uh, that's going to help us to make sure that we are being thankful in every circumstance as Paul implores us to do. So how do we protect ourselves? Well, here's the first thing. Here, here's how you can protect yourself. Number one, get a clear perspective of who you are. Get a clear perspective of who you are. Understand the depths of your own sin in order you can understand the depths of God's grace towards us in Christ. Remember that love conquers a multitude of sin. Understand the depths that Christ went through and to to save you, to bring you back to God the Father. When you understand the depths that Christ went to to save you, the ugly death he died on the cross to save us when we didn't deserve it. If I'm not willing to forgive, the Bible says that God's not willing to forgive us. So, so remember that. Just remember, get a clear perspective that you were bought with a price, that you're not your own, that we're not all that we think we are, that we all have our own dysfunctions, that we all have our little shortcomings, Right? And it's easy to hide our shortcomings behind other people's sins. It's much easier to point out other people's sins without looking at my shortcomings and realizing, man, I'm a sinner that needs to be saved by grace. And thank you for forgiving me. And as we humbly come before the Lord and we recognize what Jesus Christ has done for us, we're going to deal with that situation with a much different perspective because we have much clearer understanding of who we are. That without the grace of God, we would, we would be nothing. We would be lost. We would be condemned. Thank God for his grace. So get a true perspective of who you are. Secondly, here's, a, here's I love this. Find other ways to encourage people. Find ways to encourage people. Because this sees beyond yourself. And like, you know, Lord, I, I want to I be that person that that uplifts people, that encourages them, that allows God to, to, to use them in the giftings that they have. And, and, and there's times where just one word to somebody just will encourage them, move them forward in their walk with the Lord. Hebrews 10, 24 says, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Look at the word spur there. How many of you ride horses? You know what that word means, right? How do you spur a horse on to go fast? Now, I listen. I know nothing about horses. They scare me to death, okay? My only experience with a horse was not a good one. Four hours of literal HL double hockey sticks. But it was, it was good for you guys that love horses, okay? Um, but you spur something on by taking your spurs and hitting the side of the horse to move it on, right? You have to do something. There's a physical action that you have to do to spur. And that's what this word speaks of. It's spurring someone on to good works. What am I doing to propel people forward towards love and good deeds? There was actually a, a, a study that was done. And what this, it was called the release from nervous tension. It was an article about um, mental and emotional disturbances. And what they did is they did this case study with 10,000 people. And they discovered through researching that there was a common trait with all those 
in this research project that these patients who suffered from severe tension all had something in common. And what they found, that every single one of these that had severe tension, what they found in all of these cases, they had this one trait in common, that they were habitual fault finders. They were habitual fault finders. Constant critics of people and things around them. Now, what they also discovered is those free from tension were the least critical. The conclusion of the study is that fault finding is a prelude or mark of nervous or mental unbalanced person. Wow. So what was the bottom line here? Here was the bottom line. Those who wish to retain good emotional and mental and spiritual health should learn to free themselves from negative, critical, judgmental attitudes. Now, they could have easily just read the word of God that we just read and got that study themselves, right? Doesn't this reflect and reiterate what we just read in the beginning? Be thankful in all circumstances for this is the will of God. I think the reason why we're down many times we think that this critical spirit or this judgmental spirit is actually going to make us feel better. It's actually detrimental to our spiritual health. The Lord knows this about us. He knows this about us. It's interesting that um, when, when I'm doing a sermon, I, I, there's something that always pops up in that week that is God saying, okay, Bard, you're going to preach this and I'm going to take you through it right now. Always something. And it happened this week. And... Um, we have football right now. My son, Wesley's in football right now. And um, they always need help on the chain gang, which is you have to do the first down markers. The problem with doing this, I can't really watch the game. And I, I like to watch my son play football. And you can't watch the game because you can't cheer because you're right in front of the opponent's um, bench. So I can't say, nice tackle, Wesley. Did you see that, coach? Just made a good tackle right there. Yeah, you see it. You, know, you, can't, you can't do that. You just got to sit there and you can't, you know, someone makes a touch. Like, yeah, go, Finney. Yeah, you can't. You just got to, you, you can't say it. It's just, and you got to work on it. And so I, the, the guy asked me to do it. I'm like, no, I just, you know, and, and I was convicted all week. I, I got to do I I felt bad about it. So, so I was on the, 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 they call it the chain gang. And I had to hold the first down marker, which they call the box, by the way. I never knew that. So the guy kept telling me, Change to second down on the box. I'm like, what is the box? What is the box? Where is the box? I don't know where the box is. The guy's like, what's, what you, <laughs> what you have holding in your hand? Oh, you mean this thing? The first down marker. Oh, flip that over. Oh, there's little tabs at the bottom to tell you what mark. Okay, good. This is good. The guy's like, oh my gosh, where do they get these people from? Okay, you're not helping us at all. And um, so, I'm, so you're right in front of the, the opponent's bench. So you get to hear every play that's going in. You get to hear the coach. Now, this team, I felt bad for this team. They're from Buffalo. And they, um, they were pretty banged up. And they were kind of down this year with their players. And we were beating them pretty bad. And, and, and you hear this coach trying to encourage his players. You know, and it's getting bad. I and mean, the score is getting, they're not scoring any touchdowns. And I, I, I really... This was, I, I really appreciate the coach. He was really, hey, guys, just keep trying. You could just tell he was like, oh, they were just deflated. And, and you're hearing everything. Now, they have another coach who's up in the press box. And I guess he was getting pretty upset about the whole game. He's throwing his 
had sat down. And so he comes down after the game. And here these kids are all deflated, right? It wasn't a good day. They lost by a lot. They didn't score any touchdowns. And the one coach is saying, hey, guys, this is okay. We had a lot of our guys hurt, but you guys did your best. You really tried. Then the other coach comes. He's mad, and he's throwing pencils down. And, he's, and here's what the other coach said to him. I'll never forget it. He goes, coach. And he turned around and he goes, never forget who you represent. Don't forget who you're representing. And I think this other coach finally, boy, that spoke to my heart. Because here's the thing. I don't want to be doing the chain gang. I could have had a real negative attitude. I'm like, oh, I got to do this. I can't watch the game. I can't cheer, blah, blah, blah. And that spoke to my heart about when I can get negative or critical, that we always have to remember who we represent. What's Listen, I, I, I think the reason why God is so concerned with us not having this critical spirit is we're ultimately representing Jesus Christ to the world. And does my attitude reflect the salvation that has been brought to my heart? Listen, this doesn't mean you fake it and if you're down, hey, I'm going through some difficult times. That's okay. But, but is my heart negative? Am I critical of other people all the time? Remember, you're representing Christ who gave his very life for you. So here's the last thing. To overcome this critical attitude to watch and guard our hearts. Here's the thing. Become a worshiper. This is what God has called us to do. Listen, listen, listen. Hi, everybody. Listen. My calling is not to be a pastor. Your, your, your calling is not what you do. Your ultimate calling is to be a worshiper of God wherever you are. Because guess what we're going to be doing in heaven? I'm not going to be pastoring in heaven. Don't say thank God, okay? I know what some of you are thinking. Thank God. All right? What are we going to be doing in heaven? Worshiping. What we do now is a prelude for what we'll be doing throughout eternity and that's worshiping the Lord for all he's done for us. Are we learning to be worshipers in the situations that we are? Ingratitude is overcome by thankfulness. That's how you overcome it. You become a worshiper. You become thankful for what God has done for you. Let me just give you a couple passages and we're going we're gonna to wrap this up. Colossians 3, 15 through 17. Paul says here, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts for as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be what? Thankful. Let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all wisdom. He gives, sing songs hymns and spiritual songs to God with what? Thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, here it is, ready? Just what the coach said yesterday from, from Nichols High School in Buffalo, New York. Great quote from this coach. I love what he said, right? Watch who you represent. Do it as what? A representative of our Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. 
That's God's will for your life. Let's guard our hearts. So this is what we're going to do. I want you to stand. And what we're going to do is, together, hopefully we have the scripture, Psalms 150. I hope we have it. Do we have Psalms 150? Yes, we've got Psalms 150. This is what we're going to do. This psalm was meant to be um, said together, to worship the Lord together. So this is what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to say this together. Let me, let me read it, and then because I want you to get the meaning, and then we're going we're gonna to say it together. Say, so what does it say? Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. We're in a sanctuary, right? We can praise him here. Okay. Um, praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his act of power. Praise him for his surpassing grave. Praise him with the sounding of trumpets. I wish we had a trumpet right now, right? Praise him with the harp or the lyre. Praise him with the timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the stringed and the pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Right there. Didn't ask me to do that. Praise him with the resounding cymbals. So, for those of you that don't like drums, tough, it's biblical. Okay? So, just saying, just saying. This is biblical. Actually, this is the most biblical instrument in the Bible right here, is the drums. Okay? And Wayne said, Amen. Let everything that has, what? You're breathing. Then you're an instrument of his praise. Let's be people of praise. Let it be seen in your daily living. Let it be seen in the way you deal with people. Let let the grace of God flow through your heart and life that other people look at you and say, there is, what is up with you? I'm just praising God. I'm just praising God. I'm I'm just thankful. Yeah, everything may not be perfect in my life, but God is still good. So what we're going to do is we're going to praise the Lord and we're going to say this psalm together and we're going to close in just singing to the Lord and let God's grace overwhelm you today. Are you guys ready? Here we go. Let's say it together. One, two, three. Praise the Lord. Praise God in the sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His acts of power. Praise Him for His surpassing greatness. Praise Him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise Him with the harp and the lyre. Praise Him with timbrel and dancing. Praise Him with the strings and the pipe. Praise Him with the clash of the cymbals. Praise Him with the resounding cymbals. Let everything that have breath praise the Lord. You ready? Praise the Lord. Let's give Him. Let's just give God the glory. Amen. Amen. God is good. Lord, we thank you that we are your instruments. We may not know how to play an instrument, but if I've got breath, I can praise you. And so, Lord, as we close now, as we close in song, let us be grateful for what you've done for us. God, forgive us of our cynicism and our critical spirits, which so easily can can infect every single one of us. God, help us to be worshipers. Help us to be thankful so that we can overcome that in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Let's worship him in song. God bless you.